I would love to tell people like on their first visit, when they come in being like, your skin issue is related to the resentment that you are holding on to from your divorce. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't you I just want to mic drop it and be like. Right. Welcome to the School of Higher Consciousness. I am your host, Dr. Gina. And in this school, we will be exploring the parts of life we didn't learn in actual school. The stuff that matters. The stuff that helps you heal and live a more dropped in, vulnerable, and authentic life. I invite that higher version of you to join me in this podcast as we demystify and normalize truths in our world that often live in the shadow. All right, let's do this. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode on the School of Higher Consciousness. My name is Dr. Gina, and today we are discussing acupuncture. What is it? What are the misconceptions? Why do we use it? Let's break down the barrier to acupuncture and demystify this ancient healing practice. I am delighted to share with you my conversation that I had with Maddie Cunningham, a licensed acupuncturist out of Boston, Massachusetts. Maddie is so warm and knowledgeable, and she delivers her information with ease and relatability. I truly felt like I was talking to one of my best friends, which is also why I think she's so highly sought after in her practice. Maddie combines her knowledge of energy and herbal medicine with her training from the Institute of Functional Medicine to provide comprehensive holistic treatments for her patients. I've linked Maddie's social accounts in the show notes, so if you're interested in finding her online or if you live in Boston, I highly recommend Maddie as your acupuncturist. For those of you who've never been to an acupuncturist, I get it. There is nothing logical about sticking needles into your body to make yourself feel better. Completely. There just isn't. So usually there's two concerns. It's going to hurt and show me the proof, like how and why is this helping? I don't think it hurts. You know, some people, everyone has their own perception of pain. I don't think it hurts at all. I think it's extremely, extremely relaxing and allows me to chill out when I'm laying there with the needles. And second, we don't have all of the scientific proof right now, but we have enough of it. And I'm about to hopefully blow your mind with what I find to be the most incredible evidence that there is supporting acupuncture. So I'm a chiropractor, but I did go back to school to become a chiropractic acupuncturist. And I'm all about the why. So give me the why. I really always like that for a lot of reasons. First of all, I do like to know that there's proof behind it. But even if it helps a bunch of people. I don't always need the why, but I still would like to know. So when I was in embryology class, which is the study of how the human forms, we learned how the cellular structure changes from this blastocyst to the zygote to finally the embryo and then a full-grown human being. So what is that process like? We had to learn all about it. It was actually kind of hard, but that's where the answers of how acupuncture works lies. And what I mean by that is the original tissues that form the lung and they unfold and everything is the same location of the original tissues that form, say, the deltoid. They're slightly different. There's the mesoderm and the endoderm and the ectoderm, which changes some stuff, but they have shown that there is an anatomical link between the acupuncture meridians being consistent with the neuroembryological development. Meaning that if we're going to 
influence the internal structures, the organs of the body. There's certain parts of the body that share the original like neurological cellular structures and we can access that from the outside of the body. So that's one of the reasons we're putting, you know, needles in our foot to influence our liver or it's just not intuitive. But there is logic behind it the more you do your research. So I wanted to tell you that because it did, it was like, whoa, it blew my mind and it just started to get me asking more questions, but it also calmed some of those questions for me. All right, so today's episode does not fully unpack the 3,000-year-old practice, but we do shine light on acupuncture's fundamentals and I really hope it just makes you more comfortable with the therapy. And if you've been to an acupuncturist before, trust me, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you learn. We talk the five elements, some astrology stuff. It, it, it was pretty fun for me. So without further ado, welcome Maddie. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, Maddie, for being here with me today. Acupuncture is a topic so near and dear to my heart. As a chiropractor, I added on my chiropractic acupuncture license, but I have a much more limited scope of practice than a traditional licensed acupuncturist. So I'm really excited to hear more from you today and what you offer in particular. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll just say right off the bat, the more people that are getting needles and more aware of this medicine, the better. So it creates this such like inclusive, wonderful environment and better patient care. So I'm super grateful for you and your profession as well. Thank you so much. So within this podcast, I have it as to be a part of a goal to educate listeners on what a variety of these different healing modalities are and what different techniques can help people grow and heal and achieve higher states of consciousness. And I see acupuncture being part of this collective. So if you were sitting in front of a group of kindergartners, how would you describe what acupuncture is? If you could dumb it down the best you can and just like how it works. Yes, totally. So we can look at it through a couple more like the Western medical lens and the traditional Chinese medicine lens for more of a Western medical lens. We're using needles to basically create a response in the body. Um, so typically that looks like a needle insertion somewhere on the body will pick a point and it has some sort of function, um, whether that's moving or calming or raising or lowering, depleting um, or building up energy is more like a Western medical term. And we look at it from more of a Chinese medicine term, the body's made up of all these systems um, in both Eastern and Western medicine, actually. So we're looking at how these systems are interacting together and picking points and systems to rebalance the body. Acupuncture is all about, it's just a tool that helps the body heal naturally. It's just bringing the body back to homeostasis, that sense of balance and ease. So we pick the points accordingly as to how you're presenting in order to get the body back to that state of balance. So does everyone have a different balance set point then? Totally. Um, yeah, everyone is completely constitutionally different. Um, the five element approach to acupuncture, which there are some schools that specify in this approach, look at the five elements in Chinese medicine, which is going to be water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And you can determine like what's someone's constitution type. Um, in my practice, I use a combination of not with all patients, but with most um, Western and Chinese astrology to be like, where does your constitution fall? Mm -hmm. And that tends to make, give me a pretty good idea of like where you're likely going to see imbalances, like what you're more prone to. Um, Cause we're all so different. We all have different set points. 
and then how to bring that energy like back into balance and how to get you back into like your authentic self and what that looks like. So what would you say makes your work unique in the room in comparison to other acupuncturists? Yes. So a couple different ways that my approach is a little bit different. Um, I have training in functional medicine as well from the Institute of Functional Medicine. So not only am I looking at the body from more of an acupuncture standpoint, and I'm taking your pulses, I'm taking a look at your tongue, um, doing more of like a physical diagnosis. I'm also wondering in the back of my mind, what's going on from a systems biology approach, you know, how can we connect these two worlds of both functional medicine, understanding how the body's acting in the bio- biological approach, but also with acupuncture. Um, combining those two lenses really helps me understand and also just provides so much confirmation how valid energy medicine is. Um, everything I use in functional medicine is always, it's, it always supports my Chinese medicine diagnosis, not the other way around. So I have always found traditional Chinese medicine to be so powerful and impactful. And if I need a lab test or some supplements or a formal Western medical term to put to it, so be it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it just helps support my Chinese medicine practice. And then more recently, which has been really fun to play with, is that I've been including people's astrology in treatments as well as the way to get to know them through that lens, um, which can be a little bit more esoteric. And I think it depends on the person who's coming in, but it really, it can help me understand. It's just a different lens to look at the body and how people's physical symptoms are manifesting. So it's been really fun to include that. Um, Mm -hmm. so someone who's like me, um, and is like, I mean, if we're going to look at the astrology lens, like a very water centered person, is going to have a a very different constitution from someone who's like straight fire. So Mm -hmm. we have to treat these two things differently and how they present. So all about like bringing that specific person back to like who they are. Yeah, that makes sense. So if some, so if somebody is like specifically water and Mm. is using the remedies that would help like a fire constitution that would actually put that out of balance even more. Is that totally Okay. Yes. So we see this all the time. Like people, they get like, it happens with nutrition a lot, especially they'll be like, Oh, Oh my gosh. This happened with the patient like a couple of weeks ago. They're like, I mean, very, very fire constitution having some skin issues and they were like, well, I love turmeric and I love ginger because I read it's anti-inflammatory. I'm like, you're right. However, it's so hot. So like for you, you're just adding more fuel to this fire. Like, yes, it's like high in antioxidants and that's perfect, but we can also give you something that's like mint that also has a lot of antioxidants that's more cooling. So we can kind of quell this fire and get you away from this like excess fire state. Um, you know, food has energetics as well. So it's all about kind of looking at how like different remedies are functioning energetically and also like in terms of temperature to get people back to like where they need to be. Like mm-hmm. everyone loves turmeric because it's anti-inflammatory, but it might not be the best option for you uh, based off like your constitution. So if someone is like a hot person, mm-hmm. what's like one or two symptoms that you're like, yep, yeah, off the bat, when I see this, I know they have so much heat in them, so much fire in them. What would that be? Yeah. Typically like fire presentations, um, you can see it like on their face when they walk in, they're typically really happy, which I love, I love working with fire people. They're so much fun. Um, it's either like excess joy 
lots of talking red face. Um, even if it's like a little pink and, or they're like outwardly frustrated and like pretty pissed sense of anxiety. And this can come from different other pathologies as well. Sure. But when I'm looking at more of a fire constitution, that's typically what I see. Like they have like rosy cheeks. Um, you know, they're really charismatic. Their voice tends to be a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like a water person, it's going to be, um, a little bit quieter, a little bit slower wording. Um, they tend not to be like, they just be a little bit guarded at first. They may have like their facial features, maybe a little bit paler, um, so typically like when people walk in the door, I can have like a little bit of an idea of where they're at. Sure. Um, what about a wood? So wood ties, they're really funny. Do they, they like to tell you what to do? All the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're like, this is how like, you're going to treat me. Yes. Like exactly. Like So they, they really want control of the treatment. They want to know exactly what you're doing. So again, you just have to work with them to be like, you have to let them know it's their idea being like, Oh, you know what? Actually like, that's a fantastic point. I'll think about that when we're in the treatment today, but they tend to be like a little rigid, um, both like physically and emotionally, like maybe like not as flexible depending on like where they're at in their journey. Um, (laughs) they're like planners. They like to know things right away. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Like I'll be like, what, what, (laughs) (laughs) what about, okay. This is a fun game for me. How about metal? I love metal people. Metal people are, um, so typically like if you want to associate with astrology, it's more air types. Um, so they tend to be like, they're really first of all, beautiful and they appreciate the finer things in life. Like they are willing to see like beauty in everyday objects. Sometimes like things make them cry because they're just like, Oh, like they're so just like stunned by this Mm -hmm. like sense of beauty. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like synchronicities in the world. They, it's interesting with metal people. Sometimes their self-worth becomes like a little bit involved either to like a like it's too much or not. You can't have too high a self-worth, but in a place that we get into more like vanity, the ego. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or it comes into a place of like low self-worth and grief. Mm. Um, sometimes you can see their chest is like a little bit sunken in, um, or they'll have like more pointy features, but yeah, metal people are some of my favorite people because they're just like metal tends to give water shape. And as someone who's like such a water being like the people who have this metal in their chart, like they make me a better clinician and practitioner because they're so like structured yet intuitive. I just think they're like 10 out of 10 people. Hmm. That's awesome. Did I miss one? Okay. So water, fire. Oh, earth. earth. Yeah. Uh, I love my earth people as well. I'm friends with a lot of Virgos. So <laughs> they're like the mm-hmm. best Yeah. Um, earth people. They're just they want it. They're like the biggest nurturers. They want they to take care of you. Yes. Um, typically they struggle with digestive stuff, um, especially a sense of lacking boundaries. They all love ginger. I feel like they love, love ginger. It. They're like, just give me ginger. <laughs> Literally, just It's all they need. They just need their tummies to feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just too busy helping other people to yes. take care of themselves. <laughs> you know, my husband's a Virgo. I'm like, oh, I swear I like only date for girls. <laughs> yes, because they're so sweet and like so wonderful. They mm-hmm. love a plan. Um, yes. yes, love a plan. But they're not they're just, like over plan-y. No, they just, they love to like feel included and they will give you everything they have to give. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they're getting that love and respect in return. But yep. 
yeah, they tend to struggle with some digestive stuff. Um, typically their faces are like round, more circular in shape, not round as in like they have, there's something there that shouldn't be. They just have like a little bit more of an oval feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like as sweet as sweet can be. Like, they're like, do you need a treatment? I'm like, what? You're not an acupuncturist. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You're so right. Yeah, you're like, this is um, your time. Like, that is okay. totally right. That's so right. So what makes you lean more towards functional medicine versus Chinese herbs? Good question. Um, some of it is really just availability and it's really easy and simple for me to get supplements delivered versus Chinese herbs. I love certain Chinese herbal companies like evergreen is fantastic and their formulas are amazing. Um, some of it's just comfort levels. Some of it depends on what I want to do, but the power of plants is incredible. I can't wait to deepen my practice in that way. Mm, That's really cool. How did you get into acupuncture? My whole story really was, I went to the university of Denver for college. I got a degree in business administration and then came back and was kind of unsure where, what I was going to do with that degree, what direction I wanted to go in and um, shortly after moving back to Boston, where I'm from, I found a job at a hedge fund um, in Back Bay in the John Hancock Tower. So it just became really apparent to me how how much my body wasn't thriving in this environment. I I love to be busy and I love responsibility and I I I love interacting with people. So in that way, it was a great position. But the lifestyle, um, the stress, the amount of pressure and over things that just didn't really feel quite aligned to me. Uh, it, it started to take a toll physically quickly to the point that I had to develop such a severe anxiety disorder. I couldn't be on planes. I was extremely claustrophobic, even in like car rides. Um, I mean, debilitatingly so. And I've never really, I never grew up spending that much time investing or caring about my health, but it got to a point where I had to do something, mm-hmm. um, you know, met with doctors, wasn't really met with any, typical answers besides like take an SSRI, which I did and finally found acupuncture and initially just went for cupping because I don't like needles as a way mm-hmm. to hopefully just continue working. Um, I had no interest in leaving this job because the money was great. I met with my acupuncturist and she, the first visit was like, girl, like you need needles like in your life. And yeah. I reluctantly agreed. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I started going weekly and she just started explaining to me how just a completely different form of medicine. I'd never heard of a different way of looking at the body that has never, I've never even had anything explained to me like this, the way that the external nature impacts our internal body, how we can look at disease differently. And it just, it blew my mind that there were even their alternative sources were an option. Like I just, I didn't even know. So after going for about four months, um, you know, my anxiety completely changed my health totally. And it wasn't a hundred percent recovery, but well on the way. And I just decided like, this has, I, I have to go down this road now. Like I'm totally hooked. So I left my job and moved to Austin, Texas to get my master's degree in acupuncture from there. And then when I was in school, we started taking courses on, nutrition and traditional Chinese medicine nutrition is so beautiful. Um, but I really wanted to get like a deeper dive in and I, I really wanted to understand nutrition, how it works in the body. And cause there's so much we can do in our everyday lives to impact our health and our state of well-being. 
So I started to kind of read some books on like, I think I picked up a book by Mark Hyman and was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Like what a crazy concept. Mm -hmm. Um, And shortly after that, found the Institute of Functional Medicine and started doing their certification program. And then when you left that and and went into acupuncture, was that hard for you? Did it feel like you were trying to grasp onto an identity that society was like, this is an amazing career. And you're like, hi, I'm leaving it to go into the alternative world. What, What was that jump like for you? And I say it like that because it felt a little bit like that for me, but what, what was that like? It, I think at first I was just so I didn't even really know what I was doing. Like, I think that I was like, yep. Like I'm just going to go to acupuncture. I had no idea what it meant. I just was like, okay, no further questions. Like I'm going and no one can talk me out of it. And it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't until I was like probably a year into acupuncture school where the decision started to like, kind of catch up with me. Like mm-hmm. that. I was like, wait, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing this. And like, I have to like change who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have to become me weird. Right. Like, Oh, not what God. the world wanted me to be. Yes. Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean though? Mm-hmm. So I think it wasn't until like, I really was like, wait, like I have to actually like embody what I'm doing. Um, where I did, I really hard suffered an identity crisis for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, because I had never historically cared about my health or about, I didn't know anything about energetics or energy medicine. I just felt like a fraud. I felt like who was ever going to listen to me knowing like, who I was in my past and what like the industry I used to be in, like, why would anyone take advice from me? And it's really, those are, I mean, they're just beliefs. We have to work through those things about ourselves, our shadow selves that we just haven't acknowledged yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't believe that I could do it. So therefore I was like, it must, everyone thinks that no one's thinking that. And if they are, I didn't know it. I mean, it was just, yeah. I didn't believe truly I could step into that role. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like, I really started doing it. And I still like, we all are still working through some sort of like imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, again, like, it's all about that process of like stepping into who you are. You don't just all of a sudden wake up one day and you're like, I'm destined to, I'm meant to be like, it's every day. Completely. Right. I mean, the imposter syndrome is super real. Um, especially in medicine because, and again, we're working with more modalities, like thousand people and reasons that are going to be like, that's not real. Like that's not applicable. That's not valid. That's, and we just have to keep coming back to remembering like this inner knowing is valid. It is like this voice. It will guide you. You have to listen your body. So wise, like the things we already know. Mm -hmm. What is your thought on somebody who is dealing with maybe some chronic health condition. They have never invested in an alternative health therapy. And they're like, maybe I'll give acupuncture a shot. How do you approach somebody who has like a chronic health condition? I think it's really, the first visit is so important because you really have to establish what this is going to look like. Um, You really have to set the expectations of like, okay, where are you at? And how can we work together Mm -hmm. in a way that's going to best support you in your current journey, Mm -hmm. knowing and giving permission that that will change with time. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say, tell people like, you need to give me at least six visits to see like what's going on. And we cannot be disappointed if things physically aren't different. Of course, with acupuncture um, and a lot of alternative medical modalities, there's a huge cost, but huge cost to think about. 
So we have to work with finances as well. Um, but if I can just get people in the first few visits to open their minds to the possibility mm-hmm. of like, okay, maybe that we didn't see a physical change in like between our last treatment, but did you feel any different? Did you feel anything during this treatment? Did you not feel something the first treatment and now you're feeling something? Mm-hmm are you breathing better? Like, are you breathing when we're needling? Just creating this sense of awareness of saying like, oh, actually, how were your emotions this week? And noticing that something else may come before this big physical change that they're wanting. Like, Mm -hmm. how can I get someone back in their body to start to even notice like what they're holding on to before that happens? So I mean, my specialty, I don't really treat pain um, pretty much at all. My, all I pretty much treat is like chronic long-term conditions. It means I'm working with someone for a long period of time. Um, I tend to work best with people who are ready to take that step, but I'm, I'm happy to work with someone who's like inching towards that as well, Mm -hmm. as long as we just have clear expectations of what that looks like. Um, so no one's feeling like let down or shortchanged or jaded. Um, I just, I always want to make sure like we're on the same page, but I think, yeah, huge about setting expectations. Um, and then getting people to just become more aware of their body. Like how Mm -hmm. are their emotions connected to what's going on? How are little changes impacting them? Um, I would say that would be like the biggest step. And have you noticed that in your practice as well? Yeah. When you were saying just like getting them aware of their body and the changes, they take a while. I don't want to change religions. If somebody's not into chiropractic, the last thing I want to do is say, let's become, you know, avid chiropractic wellness goers, but it's like, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Nothing to lose. If we do, I'm usually a good six, six visit trial. And at the end of that six visits, let's see where we're at. If this isn't for me, then it's not for you. And thank you for trying. But at at the end of that six visits, typically I would say 90% of the people have had a positive experience with the care and they're now open to using it instead of going to go to the doctor and getting like a pain med right away. Totally. Right. Yeah. It's all about Right. It's, I mean, it's such health is such a journey, like, Mm -hmm. especially with these chronic conditions. I mean, Mm -hmm. six visits, like let's see where we're at let's not have the expectation that it's all going to be fixed in those six visits, probably over six weeks. Like it's going to take time. And there's so much beauty and value in that process and getting people to appreciate the process rather than the end result is like always the work. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Allowing it to exist as it is without that judgment. It's just like, let's, let's give it a try. Let's hold space for it and go from there. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the process. I always think about like patients when they start to improve, it's like they never really knew that they could feel that good. Mm -hmm. And now that's their new set point. And then it's like, now we're working from this set point. Now it's like, well, now how good can I feel? And now how good can I feel? It reminds me of yoga. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm like, once you like are going to connect deeper in, that does not mean this is all of a sudden going to be like a straight linear path. Like right. we, We're probably going to have setbacks. And again, like it's part of the process. Right. Absolutely. And 
I think it's, you know, just going like what you said about yoga, which is so funny. I do the same exact thing. I'm like, this is amazing. Yes, yes. People get hooked once they get like the tiniest bit of result, but sometimes it takes even maybe like reminding people of the progress that they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to remind patients all the time and it's, it really is like new neuroplasticity being like, I know that like, you don't think anything happened, but like I'm feeling your pulse and I'm taking a look at your tongue and I'm assessing your energy and I'm telling you things are different. Like, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I guess I do feel different. I'm like, yeah, you, yes, yes, you right, do. Right. And then they can kind of associate. It's like a new memory. Like, yes, my body did that. And yes, we can move forward. So with acupuncture, people hear of the word chi. Mm. How would you describe chi? So chi is really, I mean, chi is just energy. It's, it's so simply it's energetics. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people say chi is life force also super like applicable and true. And chi isn't just like in our bodies. It's not just in our channel systems that traditional Chinese medicine is based off of. It's everywhere. Everything has chi different fruits and vegetables have chi and properties and energetics and there are things that impact your chi because of their chi it's just energy dynamics mm-hmm. um and really it's just physics <laughs> so mm-hmm. um yeah chi is just energy and energy movement and energy exchange which is life itself we know that the needles are moving the chi mm. what specifically are the needles doing Yeah. So we can look at this question from a couple different lenses. When we look at it from more of a Western medical lens, the needles have the ability to do a few different things. Um, We can stimulate different fascial planes, which I know as a chiropractor, you know all about. (laughs) (laughs) So the acupuncture channels line up um, so similarly to these fascial planes, which is why we can treat back pain from a point on the ankle. Um, then we're looking at nerve stimulation. So if we're stimulating nerves in that area, they're connecting somewhere internally to the body. It explains why we can get a result elsewhere. Um, the needles themselves can also create this. It's like a little micro trauma, a little inflammatory response in the area. That's then going to bring in this new blood, new healing properties into that area specifically, why it can be so effective for pain. All Chinese medicine aspect, it's almost where things get like magical and poetic in a way. So we're selecting points based on a set of what your body's doing right now. Like, what does the energy look like? We have very specific intakes and questions that we'll ask to get an idea of like, how are the organ systems relating to each other and how can we get the energy to flow more optimally? Um, Sometimes it means we have a deficiency. Sometimes it means things are stuck, that things are rising too much, that we have a sinking pathology. And we'll select needles in order to reroute and rebalance that energy. Um, I just say acupuncture is just a tool to nudge your body, to let it do what it does naturally. You know, the needles themselves aren't like supplementing chi or bringing chi in. You already have it inside you, which is so beautiful. The needles are just a tool and we're just a tool to kind of like guide it in the right direction. That sounds so beautifully put. (laughs) Part of me wonders like, okay, if I were a skeptic and I was hearing you say that, I'd be like, boy, I love hearing that. That sounded beautiful. But is there any scientific proof that acupuncture works? So there is, yes, there have been many studies that have been done on acupuncture. It tends to be very, um, I would say condition-based like or diagnosis-based. So if you look on PubMed, there are several studies that show how acupuncture can be beneficial for specific Western medical diagnoses. 
it's not how we diagnose the body. So for example, um, especially with fertility, acupuncture has been pretty heavily studied. I work with quite a few IVF patients currently. Um, and I have studies to show them and reference them that it can support blood flow to the uterus, um, really thicken that endometrial lining. So, which is fantastic. And we've had a lot of cool success stories in that department. Um, but someone who comes into us for something like if, whether they have endometriosis or a difficult fertility, that pathology in Chinese medicine is going to look completely different depending on the person. Um, you know, someone presenting with, I don't even know, for example, IBS could be coming from a spleen pathology, a liver pathology, a kidney pathology. It's so individually based. That being said, we're probably going to look at it a little bit differently, how they're looking at it in studies, but it has been proven for many conditions um, to be really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I always think about because we are a society that's driven so highly by gold studied evidence. You know, there's something more than what we've been able to study. And so, although we have these studies that do prove it, so it is based in science and insurance companies are reimbursing. They're doing that for a reason. They're not going to do that. If you're saying, Hey, I'm doing magic in the room. Right. So these studies are showing something, but there's also so much to be said to, we don't know everything yet. We just know it's worth continuing to study also in that scientific realm. Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, our, our society is very, um, it's study driven, it's evidence-based, which is it is fantastic. And it's a, it's a service to the medical community, but I think what we do have to remember in this very science driven realm is that these practices are really ingrained in ancient traditions in in cultures that really understood mm-hmm. without distractions. Right. And, um, you know, we can't discount the beauty in that, that mm-hmm the validity in that, the culture in that. Um, so it yes, wouldn't I, be passed on. We wouldn't right, right. know what it is. Like we wouldn't exactly. keep making chicken soup for our sick kids if right. it wasn't doing something, which totally. now they do yes. have studies about. It's funny. Right. It's like we've been breathing ever since the beginning of time. And now we're doing all of this study on breath work. Right. Totally. <laughs> and yes. now we're, we're proving the science behind why we need to breathe. Right. Yeah. Now, so it must be right. Exactly. Yeah. So the science, it will catch up. I know it will. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's just, it's been passed down. It's so ingrained in these like beautiful traditions. Um, and there's something really magical to that. Absolutely. Do you think that anyone has any misconceptions about acupuncture that like, if you got to stand on your platform, which would be now, <laughs> what would you want to clear up? Like for any, um, yeah, I, the people definitely do have misconceptions about acupuncture. Well, first of all, that it's going to hurt. <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably like the most common, um, or people will have like one bad experience, especially if they're, this is what I've noticed historically. If they go in for like a pain related treatment and someone just needles like the shit out of their muscles and to get it to release, which is extremely effective and very situational based, but it doesn't always, especially for people who are dealing with more chronic health conditions, like they're not looking for more pain. Like they just want to feel better. And so typically a provider like me comes into that. Who's like the exact opposite of that. Very gentle. I'm like, it's not going to (laughs) hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Go to, go to Gina for that. Yeah. (laughs) Dry needles. No, she'll get into your glute meat. Don't worry. (laughs) But it's true. Like there's musculoskeletal needling and more dry needling techniques that can really just, and you're right. Like it's effective, but then if they come to you, they're like, are you going to do that all over (laughs) my body? (laughs) 
they're like, no, it's okay. Like there's so many different styles. There's so many different ways to practice and they're all valid, which is like the cool thing. It's just, it's different. And my patient population, like they're like, oh my God, like, please, like I can't handle more pain. I'm like, you're you're good. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, so just understanding that there's different styles and contexts and different providers for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think the other conception, misconception that people have, they're like, I have to believe in it for it to work. I'm like, oh no, no, you do not. Like, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's going to be like the needles are doing their thing, whether you think they are or whether you don't, you're going to probably be more observant if you are thinking that it, this is going to be something that works for you. You may notice change more easily, but whether or not you're under the impression that this is doing anything it's doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, even if that change is super subtle. So yeah, people come all the time being like, do I have to believe in this for, to see results? I'm like, no, you act, you actually don't, which is Mm -hmm. really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, it's not like, otherwise it would just be placebo based. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Like it's going to be doing its thing. Um, you know, I've had the most skeptics of skeptics come in and they see like real tangible results. And then again, I think it's, it's just getting over kind of like that. The six treatments is kind of like a magical number, but like that six treatment hurdle where they're like, I actually, I noticed something and you're like, mm. yeah, yeah, cool. And yeah, they get on board. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I know that acupuncture is cyclical. Like it, it mm. is based on the seasons. So mm-hmm. as we're moving into spring, is there any like tip or are there any tips that you could give our listeners as we're moving into spring to optimize our health, just that we could do at home without going to an acupuncturist? Yes. Um, so spring tends to be the hardest seasonal transition for people by far and myself (laughs) included. So (laughs) I'm actually wondering uh, about different things I can do right now. Spring is winter. We're in the season of winter. Um, I'm in Boston where it's still quite cold and I'm sure it's cold where you are as well. (laughs) Minneapolis is very cold. It's like 10 degrees today. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yes. Very chilly. Mm -hmm. So winter is all about this. Like it's conserving your energy. It's your kidneys. It's this like deep, dark. I need more rest. I'm not going to be exerting as much because we get burnt out. We don't have that much to give. Um, in today's society, working with that, it feels a little bit unrealistic because it's not like, Oh, it's, it's 3 PM and you can go home now. Cause it's winter, but it's just, it's being more intentional with your energy exchanges. It's eating warm foods. Um, you know, not, maybe not like exercising as heavily being providing a lot of nourishment, but the spring is so interesting because it's the time of the most upward rising energy. You know, you're going from the bottom of the winter, this kidney, this stillness into this like liver transition. <laughs> the liver is just, uh, this sensitive little asshole of an organ. And I love the liver so much, but wow, it really gives us a trip. So people tend to get like pretty pissed during this time. A lot of frustration. You may feel like you're just not transitioning well in the season or like life transitions. You're getting frustrated at other people. You know, you're cleaning out like spring Think about spring cleaning. We're getting rid of things that like aren't serving for us. We want to go into the spring and summer season, like a new person. We may be a little frustrated about how long that process is taking. We might feel a little misguided. Um, Maybe we just don't have like a clear plan for our future. Things that we can do to support our livers in general 
Dandelion tea is like a great option for people to just sip on during this time. Not right now as it's still cool because it's quite a cooling drink. Um, but as we get more into the springtime, when we do have those like occasional warm days, another good thing to incorporate right now is taking some time to do, I this sounds so basic, but just some stretching or if you kind of like take the winter off from exercising, like start focusing on a little bit of strength training, like lift up some objects, some heavier objects and put them back down, lift them up again, um, incorporate some stretching, move the body. The liver does not like to be stagnant. It likes to move. It likes to socialize. Um, and it's associated with our tendons. So anything that we can do to provide that contracture and release it, like getting a chiropractic treatment right now would be like a 10 out of 10 suggestion. Anything that's going to get our body moving more easily is going to be a great practice. And the liver, since we have all this upward rising energy, anything that you can do to kind of counteract that to ground, um, I live in the city of Boston. So for me, like walking on fresh grass, isn't really an option, <laughs> but finding time in the day to like take off your shoes and be intentional with your feet on the ground is huge as well. Just finding ways to like make the transition a little bit easier, but you may notice like you might get a headache. Those allergies might come back. Um, I always get an eye twitch for about a week in the spring, which is so funny. Um, and then it eventually like fades out. But you may notice symptoms here and there that just with that seasonal transition and they'll dissipate, but they're present. <laughs> and how about with functional medicine, anything from a nutrition, nutritional standpoint that stands out? Yeah, totally. So, well, in both traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine, um, the liver loves like dark leafy greens, anything that's anything that's really about like dark um, purple green color, like kale, spinach beets, cherries, all great for the liver. Um, for those of us who aren't vegan, like a grass fed meat would be great nutritionally also very grounding, like really nutrient dense. Um, so those are great practices to incorporate. Always make sure you're hydrated. Um, the dandelion tea is another good suggestion, but the liver too, all about like processing the emotion of frustration and anger and in ways to kind of like move your body with that. Um, and acupuncture can be really helpful in that space too. For those of us who are brave enough, and again, this might be a little bit of an extreme suggestion, but um, a coffee enema during this time is perfect. If you are up for exploring that option and can get some guidance on how to do it safely, um, I love incorporating the process into a new season. How about colonics, the water-based enemas? Oh, great. I, um, I love those as well. Um, I do them frequently. And the coffee really is just a way to like stimulate that liver to produce a little <laughs> bit more glutathione, but colonics are fabulous as well. Anything that's good. If you're, especially if you're feeling like really stuck and frustrated in the seasonal transition, anything to like get that flow moving, mm -hmm. whether it's colonics, it's stretching, it's mm -hmm. getting an adjustment, it's acupuncture. You want to keep the energy going. Um, mm -hmm. You don't want to be stagnant in this space. So I think colonics are a great idea. Okay. So I'm going to be selfish here with your knowledge as somebody who really enjoys infrared saunas and cold plunging. Is there a season that you would recommend one over another? Yes. So, I mean, you have to think back like traditional Chinese medicine, the world was so different when all these principles and thought were coming about. Right. So the world was a much colder place in general when these ancient physicians were developing this medicine. So, I mean, 
do I love ice in my water? No. Anyway. So I don't tend to drink it, but if someone's like, yeah, like I actually like colder water. I'm like, okay, but we live in temperature controlled housing and temperature controlled offices. So does it tell me something diagnostically? Yes. Do I think it's like a massive deal? Not so much. So <laughs> I'm never like a right. stickler for that. Right. Um, I think that you, re- it's really just goes with the seasons. Like if you're mm-hmm. in this winter time, yes, you can go outside temporarily or do like a cold plunge temporarily, as long as you're able to be in a more warm controlled environment, you're eating warmer foods most of the time. Um, like everything in moderation, right? So if you're going to go do, like, I will never say to someone, like, you absolutely can't do a cold plunge in winter. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you're doing a cold plunge, you're not counteracting it with heat, your heat's broken, and you're drinking smoothies every day and eating a salad, like maybe it's not for you. Sure. <laughs> but if like, we're focusing on warm cooked foods, we have like adequate heat, we're moving our bodies adequately. Um, then I don't see a problem with incorporating cold plunges. It's all about like finding that balance. But of course, like in the summertime, like it, in French saunas don't feel as good because you're not, it's too hot out. So it's really about just tuning in and being like, huh, like, do I need that extra cold exposure in the winter right now? Or don't I? And sometimes the answer is still yes. And Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So basically it's like, if it feels right, do it. If you're starting to have some chronic health conditions, maybe we need to look into this. <laughs> like- totally. And like, yeah. For people who like, I know a lot of people who really like having smoothies in the morning and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's, it's all good. Me too. Like it's all good. But if you start having weird digestive stuff, then we got to look at why, and maybe it's because you have too much cold exposure and how can we bring it back? Sure. Um, so it's all about just how the body's responding. If your body's responding, okay then that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all good. But I totally agree with you. I love the infrared sauna cold plunge, um, the mm-hmm. alternating hot and cold mm-hmm. and Chinese medicine is so big on heat, um, especially for pain management, which is yep. really, I yeah. mean, cause if we think about, and I totally agree, like acute situations, you want to do ice. Like we really yep. need this like strong anti-inflammatory effect. Um, but cold is very constricting. Um, so when we're dealing with something more chronic, we want things to expand. We want muscles to expand and get more blood flow and cold energetically. It, I mean, think about ice, it just, it constricts, whereas heat is going to make things flow more adequately. Mm -hmm. Um, It's creating more of a blood flow, more expansion. So I treat when I do treat pain, which I don't do often, I use a lot of moxa bustion, um, the herb, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, I do a lot of moxa with pain. Um, Mm. And it works, it works really well. And it just feels so nice. Like people Mm -hmm. tend to really like moxa. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's very soothing. Totally. What did it feel like to be in your body before you found acupuncture in comparison to now having incorporated not only acupuncture into your life, but now that you are an acupuncturist and all the knowledge that you have, what did it feel like to be in your body then versus now? What a powerful question. Um, I mean, it's the difference is just so it's so stark. I mean, I feel prior to acupuncture and prior to all the energetic awareness and body awareness that comes not only with acupuncture, but with medicine is that I was, I mean, I don't think I was in my body. I think everything felt, um, nothing felt kismet. Everything felt like it just was, um, it kind of felt like I was just existing in this vessel that I, it almost felt like it was betraying me in a way. Like 
why can't I get my body to do this? Or why can't it look this way? Or why do I feel this way without ever coming to the thought or conclusion, like that myself and my body were the same thing. It was always this external source that was always causing me some kind of problem. Mm-hmm. And now having so much awareness through acupuncture, through functional medicine, through meditative work, you know, realizing that this is, it's one, I am my body. I am my spirit. I am my thoughts. I am my emotions. Um, and they're different lenses, but it's all within this vessel and how much gratitude and appreciation I have every single day for what my body has done. And yeah, maybe some days like it does things that I don't love. And maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, what, what's going on there, (laughs) but it's with so much respect and love that I can now look in and be like, okay, now I can tune in and be like, what's going on here? You know, Mm -hmm. can I shift this is what's going on here emotionally? What's going on here symptomatically and how can I work with it to create the reality that I want versus like, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and if that doesn't have to be someone who has any sort of medical knowledge, like you don't need to understand how acupuncture channels work to be like, okay, like I'm just going to fix my headache today. It's like, it's just being able to tune in and become aware and be like, okay, what is this telling me? And how can I acknowledge it with love and respect? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I can relate completely. And I really love how you put that. Uh, So what you just said right there at the end, I want to follow up on is people who come for symptomatic care, such as a headache, Mm -hmm. and they're used to getting that magic pill. And now those magic pills have stopped working. That's typically Mm -hmm. how I would see it. Like Tylen's not working. This isn't working anymore. And then as a provider, you're kind of sitting in the back of your mind thinking, this is so much bigger than just finding that solution. Totally. What would you say to people who, I guess what I'm thinking in my mind is like, are a little bit impatient for those results. Yeah. It's, it's a challenging conversation to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. And I still struggle with it to this day. Right. And I think it dramatically depends on where people are at. Um, I think like if they're coming through the door, they've likely tried everything else. (laughs) So again, I think it's with the aspect of like, well, we really don't have anything to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, You might as well give it a try. And I, again, I think it goes back to just getting people like little wins, setting the expectations. I would love to tell people like on their first visit, when they come in being like, your skin issue is related to the resentment that you are holding on to from your divorce. <laughs> I know. I know. Don't you I just want to mic that. drop it and be like, right. you have so much grief here. I just can't. Right. Yeah. Yep. And some people, like some people you can, like some mm-hmm. people are like, you're right. Like, yes, like that's I it. Know. But some people you can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I wish, like, I wish. I wish I could do that with everyone because there's so, and I'm sure you feel this way in treatments. Like you're thinking about something in the back of your head and you're like, if only, if only we could like let go of this one piece, if only we could get there, we could like make the real Mm -hmm. progress. Um, but I think it's not only their process, it's my process as a provider to ride this out with them and get better equipped at taking people through that process. And 
just being okay with being like, you know what, we don't have to fix everything today. Like it's, we can just make small changes mm-hmm. and ultimately like if they're not ready for that, if they are in this like quick fix mentality and they end up like leaving the practice because of it, you were still part of their journey and mm-hmm. that's okay. Like maybe it was like their first step. Maybe they'll come back to it eventually it might be with you or with someone else but it's still valuable. Like Mm -hmm. every exchange in that space is valuable. Mm -hmm. And as a provider, it's hard to like wrap your head around that. You're like, wait, but like, I want them to feel good. I want them to have a good, like, I want to do a good job. Right. It can be like a real like mind twist, but yes. um, I think it's constantly going back to like, again, like this is a process, not an end result. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It sounds like you're incredibly compassionate in the room and have a lot of like intuition. And would you consider yourself an empath? Yeah. You know, I think so. I've I've been working with this quite a bit. Um, Looking at my astrology, which is like, so it's so fun to look at this now. Um, I actually hadn't known historically a lot about astrology until recently, but I am a double water sign. So I am like, Oh, just through and through, just constantly in my freaking feelings. So (laughs) I tend to pick up on things in the room pretty easily. Um, and, but even for me, it's learning as a provider to trust that voice, to trust that, you know, to kind of step away from like, we need this like evidence-based driven, um, test results and just being like, actually like this is intuitively what I feel is going on. And I'm going to trust that voice. Yes. Um, when we look at people at this clinic, my boss has shown me too how to read Chinese astrology for people. And it really, I'm typically able to map out like based on their birth year and their birth month, like what elements they present constitutionally and how their symptoms are manifesting mm-hmm. physically. And again, I don't do, we don't do this with everyone, but it tends to be like a lens to look through. Um, and I funny. found that to be yeah the case with me in terms of like, mm-hmm this double waterness and just, yeah, mm-hmm. very like water energy, kidney fear is my weak spot. Um, and yeah, like dealing with my own emotions and emotions of other people as well. So yeah, yeah me in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like that sixth sense that, that perceptive emotional, just knowing. And yep. it's nice that the world is opening up to allowing us to almost like lean into that and flex that muscle a little bit more, at least in these professions and more and more people are actually wanting that because like you, they resonate with it. There's something that's just like, yeah, I got the truth goosebumps on me. So like, yeah, let's keep going that way. Even though I get it that there's not this research to always back that, but you know, as long as there's enough research informing what you're doing, I'm good with it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're totally right. This new age is really like intuition is being so highly valued and for people to put that kind of trust in me as a provider being like, you got this, like, it's just, it means everything to me. Um, I don't take it lightly and I try to go into every treatment. You know, I, I fully realize, and I'm sure you do this with yourself as well. Like the more I take care of myself, the more grounded I am, the better my treatments are, the more I'm able to listen to my intuition in that Mm -hmm. space. So being great with like my own boundaries, my own self-care, getting enough sleep. Like this is all part of my profession. It makes Mm -hmm. me a better clinician. Mm -hmm. So I take my role really seriously because I want to be able to access that intuition, but Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a muscle you have to flex. Like it takes Mm -hmm. time. Um, and I'm still in that process of developing it to be like, I got this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, but it's really cool to see it in treatments, like how it presents. Yeah. Magic. I, 
Okay. So you had mentioned you really, you really like how chiropractic, physical therapy, acupuncture, all of these body modalities, and then add in a variety that I haven't mentioned here, how a variety of different alternative health modalities all are serving similar ish purposes, but from a different lens, what would you Mm -hmm. say they're all achieving? Like if you had to put a Venn diagram on all of these alternative health like modalities, what's the shared center that we all are connecting into? Mm, Good question. I mean, I think it, especially now, like where healthcare is, I think that it's just, I mean, and I, I don't really like love this word. So I wish I had a better word to use right now, but the sense of wellness, like we have to move away from this treat and street mm-hmm. model of healthcare. Like there's a reason why people are coming to get acupuncture. There's a reason why people go to PT chiropractic, like mm-hmm. they may not have a formal diagnosis or maybe they do, mm-hmm. but people just want to feel more optimal. Like right. being like not sick is no longer like an acceptable way for people to live. Mm-hmm. Like people want to feel good. They want to feel great. Like it's, it's not working anymore to just like not have a diagnosis. Right. Like, so I think that we're all in this space of like, how do we like disease prevention through so many different modalities? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have to take this on myself as a provider as well. Like I can't do it all for someone. Um, like I need other people to come into this space and help someone with the things that I can't do that are out of my mm-hmm. scope of practice that I'm not an expert in. Um, sure. And it takes more than one provider. It takes a team to get people to that space. Mm -hmm. So if we can work collaboratively all together to help people who may or may not have diagnoses reach a space that like they're feeling really good or at least like better, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like there's enough like kind of outside their body, like not feeling fantastic to feeling like so emotionally, spiritually, and physically aware and like their lives completely change, not just physically, mm-hmm. like everything around them changes. That's how energetics work. Yeah. So like, we're all just, I mean, it's life optimization is like mm-hmm. what I view it as. I agree with you. Everyone's success story. When I feel like they get better from having felt ill to where they're not, or where they truly feel like their life has transformed. Like you're saying, when they finally feel in alignment and everything's changed around them and they like get back on this path, I have no other way for me to interpret it than they've like finally felt safe to just like connect into their own power, their own self again. Yes. I also want to have takeaways for parents on the podcast. What would you say to parents who want to raise children more in alignment with their higher selves? This is such a good question. Um, and like you said, I, I don't have children and I just, I see people having kids, especially as, I mean, you can feel this collective consciousness is so elevating right now. And it's happening at such a rapid pace. Like you're seeing it in people that you wouldn't expect. I mean, it's becoming like pretty common language to be like collective consciousness. Like think about that. Like when we were growing up, it's just who, what? Like, yeah, wasn't even absolutely. Real. Absolutely. Um, so I think just like, it's such a different time. The awareness level is so heightened, which is so, so beautiful. And I just think this next generation of children is going to be like, they're going to 
blow us away mm-hmm. with their knowledge about themselves mm-hmm. and other people. And I think intuitively these children are just going to understand energetics, like at a way faster rate than any of us ever could, you know, they're going to be so brilliant. Um, what I think, I mean, again, my, my stance on this right now is just, I think it's going to be really fascinating for parents to look as to their children, almost as like ways to emulate how they behave because they're going to be naturally like in this age, super empathetic, super aware of energetics and how like we can learn from them, how to implement that in our lives. I think it's going to be really cool to watch that just as our parents' generation, like we push their buttons and because they're like, think we're crazy. I got the truth bumpies when you said that. I love that so much. Yes. I think it's going to, it's going to be a really interesting time to raise children. I think that, I mean, just taking a look at your ego and just being like, you know what, like I do actually have to leave this at the door because there's so much value Mm -hmm. in my child, like what they could teach me in this moment, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be such a disservice to both of us for me to just be like, nope, like I'm the adult, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I got this. And we just, it, it will be such an incredible teaching moment. I think for our generation, for the children, just these dynamics are going to be so different. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I can't, I, I think schooling is going to be really different. I just think it's going to be really magical to like watch it all unfold. Mm-hmm. So I think just learning to be patient, um, with like their exploration process, it's going to look different than ours was, um, probably by a lot and a mutual respect and admiration for each other being like, what can we, what can we learn here and how, can I take these lessons from these like really cool kids? Absolutely. I'm going to have such different minds. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Speaking of kids, I heard my baby starting to cry. So this is on nap time. So I should probably go get him here soon. Perfect. (laughs) You are fantastic. And I'm so excited for your career. You're fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to thank you, Madeline, for being Maddie. I really oh want to thank you, Maddie, for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. So this was so much fun. Yes. So, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. So this I, was really same. I'm like, time. okay, I got to stop for her sake here, but, oh my <laughs> but let's for sure keep in touch. You guys can thank me right here for that dose of positivity and knowledge because that is just who Maddie is. And I'm so glad you got to share that conversation with us. Here are your parenting takeaways for reflection from today's episode. Children are coming into this world more intuitive than they ever have been. This is a time for mutual respect in parenting, a time for parents to learn from our children. We've got to check the ego at the door and be open to what our children can teach us. All right, that is it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the podcast a five-star rating or share it with a friend. I would love to connect with you on Instagram at higher underscore consciousness underscore school, or you can always find me at my website, theschoolofhigherconsciousness.com. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be back with a hot seat episode next week. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope the School of Higher Consciousness helps fan that flame inside, bringing you closer in alignment to self. 
If you enjoyed this podcast or got you thinking a little differently, I would love if you reviewed the podcast or shared it with a friend. Any support helps right now as I journey into this newfound platform of podcasting and obviously giving it a five stars. I wish you ease and joy as you move through your day. Thank you.